The following is an interview with my friend Noah Hertz. He is a journalist at our hometown newspaper, the West Volusia Beacon. We discuss working in local news, how he came to journalism, small town gossip, his passing resemblance to Jesus Christ, and more. So yeah, what have you been up to today? Just do you guys was it been a normal work day? Just, just a it normal out? work day. Yeah, it was kind of an annoying work day too because uh, like MLK stuff was going on, and we wanted to include how annoying. Well, having to... hey, shut up. We uh, we wanted to include photos from MLK stuff in the paper, uh -huh. but had to like wait until we could get those photos. Oh, so I was throwing together a picture, a page of photos at like three 30 while the rest <laughs> of the paper was already done. Oh yeah. Cause it was like, we had to wait until our photographer got back. Then she had to upload all of her photos and then we had to get it all laid out and everything. But like people reading the paper in five, six days, don't give a shit that yeah. we had to put it together on Monday, you know? We all have to just pretend it's three days in the future. Yeah. So wait, you it goes to press tonight, right? Yeah. So we we put the paper, we design the pages, we do the page layout in Adobe InDesign on Mondays. Then our, we're done by 6 p.m. on Mondays, and we upload the PDFs to the printer by 6 p.m. on Monday night. Mm -hmm. They print it, and then Wednesday morning, a guy in a big truck drives them from the villages where they're printed here drops them off. People here, not usually me, put shipping labels on them and then put them, then we put them and deliver them to the mail, to the uh, post office. And then they get in the mail so that they can get out in time for like some people to maybe receive them on Thursdays. <laughs> I had no idea mm -hmm. that a, uh, a small town newspaper supply chain was that it's complex. Since I started working here, I've been here two and a half years We've had like three different printers, like because we. Really? I think when, when I started, we were at, we were printed at the Gainesville Sun, maybe, hmm. and then we were printed somewhere else, and then we moved to the villages. Like it's been all over the place because yeah. like it's it's almost as volatile and like newspaper printing is about as volatile as the newspaper industry is. Really, so sometimes a printer just shuts down, and then you're just shit out of luck and have to find a new printer. <laughs> Wait, so um, do you happen to know if like the Daytona Beach News Journal also uses a printer that's not their own or do they have a printer and they just don't want to work with you guys or what's the deal? I'm going to assume the News Journal has some kind of hookup through the USA Today network, but mm. I don't know that because okay. is that their parent company? The US so the News Journal is owned by the USA Today, mm -hmm. which is owned by Gannett, which is a real big company. I think they used to be owned by a company called Gatehouse, and then Gatehouse got bought by Gannett. Mm -hmm. So every USA Today paper is, or let me rephrase that, the the news journal can pull copy from any other USA Today paper. Mm -hmm. So because of that, there's a lot of coordination between like the other USA Today affiliated papers within Florida. Mm -hmm. So like the Jax Times Union is one. I'm trying to think, the Tampa Bay Times is not. The Orlando Sentinel is not, but there's other ones throughout Florida that are all like part of this part of this big chain. And then it's the same nationwide. And so like a big complaint I hear a lot about the news journal from people is that they don't have enough local news mm -hmm. because they're still printing daily, but half of the newspaper is polls from USA Today. Huh. So I really don't know how the printing process works for them, but I, I'm almost certain it's different because we have no parent company. We are... Yeah. All 20 people who run this operation are like in the same place. Right. So, well, this is not actually just a, a subsidiary of the real estate magnate Conrad Realty. Not quite. Not quite. <laughs> <laughs> I know a few people who work at the News Journal. Yeah. And is there like a sense of rivalry between the two, like East, East County, West County? I think some people in the office feel that way. But like, I will admit, I get a rush when like there's a breaking news story. And mm -hmm. we publish our story about it to the web before the news journal does, <laughs> even though like the news journal just reaches so many more people mm -hmm. and has so much, such a wider readership that more people are going to read it. Yeah. I get a rush when like we're to the web You're first. Like, we beat. Yeah. But also by the same <laughs> token, like I know the reporter for the news journal who covers like some of the same stuff I do. Like we mm -hmm. run into each other at Deland meetings sometimes. Her name is Katie. She's very nice. And sometimes like. If I get a scoop or I get information, I'll just kind of like send it to Katie. Like when <laughs> when the news broke about the Putnam 
the Putnam Hotel across from Deland City Hall yeah. that it was like gonna fall down probably. She called me on like a Saturday and she was like, hey, did you get the structural engineer's report for the Putnam? And I was like, no, but I have a contact at the company that owns it. And so we traded and mm-hmm. she sent me the report and I sent her like mm. the contact. Okay. And it was like, I never, I, like, I didn't feel any sense of rivalry there. I was like, more people need to read about this and you'll ensure that happens. So, so. there's like a sense of sportsmanship to whatever extent there's yeah. a rivalry. Yeah, I, like- I would agree with that. Or like there's another reporter for the News Journal who I run into periodically at the farmer's market on Friday nights. Mm-hmm. And she always just comes over and like high fives me. because She's like, yay, okay. we're, we're in this failing industry together. Like- right, okay. <laughs> Do you happen to know about what the size of the readership is between the two papers? Or is that proprietary information, perhaps, these uh, these trade secrets? I mean, it's really hard to quantify in uh-huh. the digital age because, oh, like, true. I know that The Beacon has 5,000 print subscribers. Mm-hmm. But I know that on an average week, we get way more than that online, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I really don't know which is kind of annoying like i wish i could quantify that and i think like someone on staff who paid closer attention to google analytics could Mm -hmm. but it is kind of fun knowing there's a good side and a bad side to that because sometimes you will like pour your heart and soul and like weeks worth of research into writing something and you'll put it on the web and it'll get like a hundred natural readers and then you'll push it to social media and it'll get like two likes and no clicks Uh, and it's and then other times like i i have experienced this barb tells me this is a common experience i assume it is sometimes the things that you spend 10 minutes working on rewriting a press release putting together copy that you didn't write mm -hmm. stuff like that is the stuff that does like gangbusters on the internet really and it's so funny when it publishes to the web and you go back and check it later and you're like I spent 20 minutes on that. (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever considered or has anyone here considered uh, creating like a beacon TikTok to try to get young folks up on the local news grind or there there every so often there are pushes like that at various levels of like this thing's hot. Let's get in on it. Yeah. And it's very it's TikTok was the thing for a while. We do have a Beacon TikTok account. I don't think we've ever posted to it. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's the same like at everywhere, but I don't huh. think we've ever posted to it because when we started it, is there it, also like a beacon Snapchat and perhaps even a MySpace? I don't think there's a Snapchat. <laughs> Jury's out on MySpace. Okay, but yeah. I know like we made a we made a TikTok and everybody was like, "All right, we have a TikTok. Who's going to start posting on the TikTok?" And everybody under thirty was kind of looking at each other. Everybody under thirty five was kind of looking at each other, like <laughs> everyone who ooh, can't run for ooh. president. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Every single one of us who uh, can't run for president and uh, maybe remembers where we were on 9-11, yeah. maybe not. Like, yeah, everybody was looking at each other like, oh, I don't want to be the one to make the first TikTok. Yeah. Now, I'm going to tell you just scoot back one more inch from the mic just because uh, you have the most projection of any guest I've had so far. So my advice has been. I've been told before that I'm a good interviewee, but I've only been interviewed like twice. Yeah. And I think it's because like I've done audio editing and I've done interviewing. So yeah. I like kind of have an idea of like I would want someone to project into the mic yeah so. i was just like anticipating a normal guest no, who like yeah. does not do that i'm nothing but normal <laughs> baby <laughs> so are we are we like in it like are you are yeah. you fully asking me questions um i was i was when i started this i was making small talk but it kind of just felt like we had started so yeah. I, I i usually find that's a better way to do it that's smart that's smart um because otherwise especially with like guests who are not normally interviewed mm. it's kind of better to ease them into the podcast i have found like just kind of like start talking to them and then like sometimes when they realize that they're being interviewed that's when i go back and make that the start of the podcast Mm -hmm. but sometimes i don't because it takes them a while other times when you interview people now i'm interviewing you when you interview people (laughs) hijacking like do you go in with like a lengthy set of like i'm thinking for people you know like we've known each other Mm -hmm. for years do you have like a lengthy set of questions or is it more just like bullet points it's more like bullet points it's more like i I sometimes don't even come with anything like physically prepared. Like right now I don't, but mm-hmm. um, often I'll have like some guiding questions and okay. then, like maybe another little list of like backup questions. If there's like a quiet, a pause that I can just kind of go to and be like, uh, so how about, how about the um, game last night? What, not, not... what was your mother's maiden name? <laughs> <laughs> Haven't used that one yet. I'll put it in the list. That's a good one. You should include that one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so you had a, you had a background in college radio before you came to work at the, at the, uh, this newspaper right now yeah um did you interview many people there or were you just like djing or reading 
yeah, I, I did it occasionally. Releases. So the, the way, so I went to Florida state like you, I was very heavily involved with the college radio station, uh-huh. uh, WVFS 89.7 FM. Mm-hmm. And I joined the news department like my second semester of college. Uh-huh. So 2017. And I really didn't have any intention of doing anything else. I was just like, I, I read a lot of news. I listen to a lot of news. It'd just mm-hmm. be fun to like have an excuse to do more. And the way that was mostly set up was you had like an hourly newscast and you would come in a couple hours before your shift, mm-hmm. research stories. You'd have like a national estate. What was it? It was an international and national estate in a local. local. Yeah. So you were like, you were reading the Tallahassee Democrat and then you were reading like the Jack's Times Union and yeah. that kind of stuff. And then you were getting on air. So you weren't really writing a whole lot of original copy, but it was like you said, like rewriting and yeah. it's like from the Jacksonville, according to the Jacksonville times union. Da, da, da. Mm-hmm. So it kind of, it helped with that, but I didn't do too much interviewing. The only interviewing I really did was the news department did, they called it a monthly news magazine. Mm-hmm. It was basically like this American life. If it was run by like college students in Tallahassee, you like yuppie 20 somethings. Yeah. <laughs> college kids in Tallahassee. Yeah. So like we would have a one word. Theme. Would you describe people who work there as yuppies? Cause like I briefly partook of college radio and they were, I, I said the word yuppie and the minute it came out, it didn't feel right. Yeah. It I didn't was like, right. Cause I, when I think yuppie, I think like maybe someone who got their MBA. Yeah. I think or I use yuppie incorrectly to identify hipsters, but like not yeah. all yuppies are hipsters and not all hipsters are yuppies. I actually think that know? Venn diagram is very, very shallow. Like yeah. those circles that are barely touching, but they are like, in my estimation. That's fair. Yeah. It's like, I draw the comparison. Uh, I saw Phoebe Bridgers play St. Augustine last mm-hmm. year. And when I went to that Phoebe Bridgers concert, I saw more doc martens than i had ever seen before in one place Mm -hmm. and i laughed at that because i kind of thought that i had maxed out on the amount of doc like doc style boots you could see in one place at the college radio but i think most people volunteering at the college radio were too broke to afford docs right yeah that's true so that's kind of that's kind of the people we're working with but um i feel like docs are the new uggs you think in a sense, like, I mean, like, they're very, just very, my, what I mean is, like, a type of footwear extremely popular with white women. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, young white women, like, white women between, like, 21 and 34 who are perhaps considering or have gone to graduate school. I feel like I can't speak definitively on the interests of white women, but... I can't either, but I'm going to do it. But if I was a white woman, <laughs> I feel like it would entirely depend on, like, how much sad music I listened to if I was yeah. in, like, the UG camp. But even still, they have they have totally different uses. Like That's true. I just mean, like, I feel like there was a time when, like, Uggs were, like, mm. ascendant. And now I wouldn't say they are, and docs are, like, in... Descending Uggs. Yeah. 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 But... You were asking about the interviewing people in college. Um, yeah. Like, did, did you just, like, ha- pull a random person off the street and be like, so what's the scoop, kid? We did a little bit of that. <laughs> I didn't really do a whole lot of that. I did more, like, telling other people to do that because, oh, okay. like... Oh, were you, like, a, a were you like kind of manager level? Eventually, like, yeah. yeah. I Since I was there for so long, by the time I graduated, I was the director of the news department, which, mm. for the most part, was mostly just, like, scheduling and organizing mm-hmm. and running, like, a weekly meeting. Yeah. Yeah, it was mostly like organizing a weekly meeting and getting like a bunch of people into a room and being like, so nobody's covering the 1150 shift on Wednesday. Who wants to do that? And then like occasionally helping Mm. people with like, are you having a hard time finding international stories? Here's some outlets and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. The couple of times I interviewed people were for that monthly news magazine. And that was like. Oh, Spire. That's what you said it was called, right? That was something totally different. That was something totally different. This was was called Vox Populi. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. And it was uh, the- Kind of a pretentious name. Very pretentious name. It was like the second Wednesday of the month at 9 p.m. or something. That's such a college student name. I'm sorry. I know. Yeah. Like a leftist college student name. It it is. Oh, Vox Populi. Yeah, it is. But um, I remember one, one I did, I think the theme was like the apocalypse or something. So I interviewed. Did you call it the Avocalypse? Avoxalypse? No, no, we did not. Um, oh. We picked like one word themes. So every month the theme was like apocalypse or snow or mm-hmm. rain. And you did, they weren't all like rain I think events. I remember the snow because I, for my very brief stint in college radio, which mm-hmm. mostly was me sleeping in and missing my new shift. Nice. And then eventually just not going anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the, the most interesting interview and maybe the only interview I did for that was I interviewed, 
I was taking a entry level world religions class uh-huh. that semester, and I interviewed. My professor was a practicing Muslim, so I brought him in to talk to me about what the apocalypse is in like oh like their Armageddon. Islam. Yeah, and it's basically the same thing as the Book of Revelations, except oh. like there's a there's like an imam there too. Oh. Do they, is it actually like rewritten in the Quran or is it, they're just like, it's the book of revelations plus. I don't remember the specifics, but I do remember for I know certain. They do use like the Bible in their theology, right? Yeah. Like it's like, it's a trilogy. Sort yeah. of like Mormonism. <laughs> sort of like Mormonism. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't remember the exact specifics of that, but I do remember he told me, he had this great line that he told me that was like, there's this imam who's there who's like kind of Jesus's best friend when Jesus comes okay. back. And I was like, that rules actually. I, like, uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I guess uh, Jesus could use a BFF. Yeah. For the end of days. He totally could. He totally could. Because all the rest yeah. of them, I assume, are dead because I don't think they come back. Yeah. I don't know super I, well, though. I wouldn't know at all. Um, have you ever seen the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, End of Days, where he like is a sort of um, sad New York City cop who has to like stop Satan from having a, a kid no. in New York City on like New Year's Eve? I know nothing about this. Yeah, I was just reading the Wikipedia page, and you just made me think of that. Have you ever watched or read any of the books in the Left Alive series? Nope. It's kind of similar. It's like, and I only know about these because I worked at a bookstore for like six months. But mm. uh, kind what of bookstore here in town? No, no, up in Tallahassee. Up in Tallahassee. Tall- oh. Yeah, I worked at um. There were there were enough students and professors getting rid of books to the Goodwills that the Goodwill had a separate bookstore. Oh. So I worked it there for a little bit. I, okay. And I remember the time I was there, we got so many books in this series and they were all like post 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 uh book of revelations rapture fan fiction. Oh. So it was like it was like a guy who's like a grizzled action hero and he doesn't get raptured, so he has to like do good while all the <laughs> other good people are gone. It's like Kind of like uh, whoever the main character is from that one John Carpenter movie, um, They Live. The one where like, they're oh, all yeah. secret aliens. Yeah, yeah, that's the one where he's got the glasses, right? Yeah. yeah. I've seen parts of that on TV. Yeah. Yeah. I heard like an analysis of that movie once and like in some ways like it's sort of like a left-wing theme because yeah. it's like, supposed to be an allegory for class warfare. Hmm. But at the same time, like the hero is like an all-American beefcake who's like there to chew bubblegum and shoot people. I was going to say, I've heard it described as both anti-capitalist and anti-Soviet, which is very funny to me. Yeah. Uh, John Carpenter's just like, I like what I like and I don't care what other people think. And I really respect that about him, And you honestly. smushed it all together. I respect that about him and I've gathered from interviews I've read of him in recent years that he is very much that way still. He's just like, yeah. I'm going to make what I want. Screw you. Like, I heard... David Lynch is sort of like that too, because people are like, I feel like Lynch is super popular among the online left, but then yeah. like he also has like all these sort of laudatory comments he's made about Ronald Reagan. He's also just such a weird dude yeah. that like I'm not really sure. Have you ever seen care. the Family Guy bit about him? No, I haven't. It's really good. It's just like how David Lynch stole Christmas, and then he comes down the chimney. He's like, "Did you leave out a plate of black coffee for me?" And he's, the kid's like, "No." And he's like, "In the future, please leave a plate of black coffee out for me." Also in the past. My favorite part about David Lynch is like, I'm not a, I'm not an expert on David Lynch movies, but I have watched Twin Peaks enough to know that mm. like, like he's in Twin Peaks and I think fans of him. Yeah. He's have, a fed, right? In yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. He's one of the other feds who shows up and he has like hearing aids. So he yeah. talks like that really loudly. Oh, and like people <laughs> can't dissociate his character from Twin Peaks from like David Lynch, the guy. So is he just playing himself? Probably. Maybe. I don't it's know. Just like, I don't know. This is what I would be like if I worked at the FBI. Yeah, basically. This is this need, is what I would be like if I was working for the FBI. And needed hearing aids. Yeah, and needed to solve a murder in a a, a fun Alaska town, I guess. It's not Alaska, isn't it? Oregon? Oh, it or Washington? Be. It's like somewhere up there. Yeah. yeah, it's not Alaska. You're right. It's definitely not Alaska. There is a show from the same period set in Alaska called Northern Exposure, which is my favorite television show. I've heard of that. I've heard of that. It's actually filmed in Washington State, though. So. It's like how Canadians There's, like film all those show, shows and they tell us that it's the U.S. I'm like, yeah, I always think not. that's funny. Like I was actually one time someone was talking to me about American Psycho because that's like been a trendy meanie movie. But apparently a lot of the scenes were filmed in Toronto for some reason, <laughs> which is funny because it's kind of easy to film in New York, right? There's a huge movie industry there. So for, but for some reason, there's like, oh, do we use Toronto and pretend it's New York? Huh. That's really str- it's kind of like how all the Marvel movies nowadays are shot in Georgia. So yeah, it's like all that's those, true. All those scenes that look like they were filmed in the back of a parking lot were filmed like in the back of a parking lot behind like a 7-Eleven or something. Yeah, yeah. That is funny. The Georgia the Georgia film industry is a funny thing. It is very funny to me, especially since like... Um, when I lived in Atlanta, I lived 
directly across from like the mansion they used to shoot like some the i haven't watched it but the crazy scientist laboratory okay and apparently like that was just the, the exterior of the mansion they used was like right there across the street like you could see it from our living room window it's kind of fun yeah <laughs> <laughs> it was like i think technically part of emory's campus or something oh okay okay so it was like wooded and spooky-ish looking and like we could often hear coyotes Ooh. running around even though we were like kind of in midtown atlanta it was just this patch of trees frequented by coyotes no that that makes sense i mean when you when you it's tear crazy. down all the They're trees like everywhere like, though i mean yeah that's what happens you tear down all the trees where and all the forests like where they typically live like where the hell are they gonna go i mean you know normally you'd be true but like in atlanta there's like a huge amount of like rural forest like immediately <laughs> next to the city yeah. so if they went like you know five miles away they'd have their natural habitat instead of just i don't know <laughs> chilling in midtown it's like look i know you lived here 30 years ago but i swear to god five minutes that way there's a really nice yeah, forest not five minutes but like I, within like two days they could definitely get to like basically not definitely not virgin woods but like a serious forest yeah that's fair. That's fair. You'll have to let them know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> next time I'm, I'm chatting up a coyote, I'll, I'll just uh, give them the latest. What was your experience like living in Atlanta? Did I you, liked it. Did you it like was, it? Uh, yeah. The roads are extremely bumpy. Okay. Even though it's a bigger city, I usually traffic was not worse than Tallahassee somehow, mm -hmm. which is usually the criticism I have of Tallahassee. I always say um, bad traffic. It has the traffic of a big city, but the charm of or no, it has like um the traffic of a big city, but the charm of no, it's halfway between a big city and a small town. It has the it has I can't remember what I would say. I used to have a clever phrase for That's it. That's pretty good. I, I get like the vibe you're going <laughs> for, and I like a, it. Oh god, I'm um. I ask because like to me, you have always given off very strong like towny vibes. Like really, yeah, and I mean, I think the whole ethos of this podcast so far has been like you you talking to interesting people you've met in your time in this town. So yeah. like the idea of you living in a place that is bigger than like Tallahassee, I guess, cause Tallahassee is bigger than Deland. Yeah. The idea of you living somewhere bigger just like always struck me as kind of a strange fit. Yeah. I, I don't know. I liked living in, Tal in Atlanta better than I did in Tallahassee. I think uh, Tallahassee is the worst place I've lived, really? including out of my car. Really? Yeah. You hated Tallahassee that much? I didn't hate Tallahassee. I just, just the worst place I've lived. I, the common adage I heard when I was in college was that uh, people loved FSU, but they hated Tallahassee, which always rubbed me the wrong way mm -hmm. because I have no love for FSU. I gen and part of that is because like, like since I was so involved with the college radio, they were constantly trying to divert mm -hmm. funds away from the college radio right. and like gut the one thing I was having fun doing. <laughs> and also they were just like tearing down historic buildings constantly to build parking garages. But like, I found that there was so much culture and interesting stuff in Tallahassee. Mm -hmm. If you just like got past the fact that it was probably one of the most economically stratified cities in Florida. Like mm. it's, is it really it? The three, two, three Oh four zip code, which is one of the ones that encompasses like a lot of the student housing in mm -hmm. Tallahassee, as well as like people who aren't students is like one of the poorest, if not the poorest in Florida. Huh? I did yeah. not know that. Yeah. It's like, crazy how economically divided that city is my phrase about tallahassee i just remember is it's halfway between a small town and a big city and has the worst of both oh that's good that's that, good that was the phrase <laughs> yeah that's true that's true because it's like it's small got the town, traffic of yeah. a big city but it doesn't have like the charm and like community of a small town yeah and so you're just kind of there yeah i don't know if i ever ran it's also a... far from everything it's like yeah. three hours of jacksonville it's like five hours to atlanta it's five hours of pensacola it's crazy yeah here. crazy to me that that's our state capital very strange yeah. very strange People talk about moving to Orlando. When I hear them, I'm like, kind of like, no. I sort of like the state capital is in some strange remote place. Yeah. Yeah. Just even though we're in Florida. <laughs> yeah. Also, like, Orlando's traffic is miserable enough as it is. Yeah. Please don't bring more traffic That's to true. Orlando. <laughs> you know, honestly, everywhere but Tallahassee, I have really good luck with traffic. Like, when I was visiting Los Angeles last summer, mm -hmm. I drove, like, back and forth on the 101 and the 5, like, several times, mm -hmm. and I never got caught in traffic. Damn. I just, like, accidentally drove... Like, when I went to the Reagan Library, I just went at the exact right time. Like, I somehow missed missed the beginning of rush hour going there and then missed the beginning, the end of it coming back. So mm -hmm. I just, like, drove straight back to Topanga Canyon with, no, with, like, not stopping at all. That's been one of the funny parts about moving back to DeLand. Like, there are times when I'm driving across town and I get stuck in traffic and I'm like, I swear to God, this used to be faster. Like, yeah, th no, there are just so many has. more cars. But then, like, I hear people who have been here for 50 years talk mm -hmm. and they're like, 
there's so many more cars on the road. It's crazy. And like my initial impulse is like, calm down. It's not that much worse. But like when I'm trying to get from one side of town to the other, I'm like, oh my God, I hate this so much. 10 years ago, it was not this bad. (laughs) Five years ago, it was not this bad. Like I remember coming home from Tallahassee and like that was like my treat was Mm -hmm. like, I didn't have to sit in traffic to get like however far. Um, but now it's kind of, it's especially on 15A, you know, over yeah, there, it's hard true, to get around. True. Yeah. I feel like it really changed after COVID because like a lot of people were, have come here to, you know, live the Florida dream yeah. of no lockdowns and endless summer. I feel like even more so than that, it's just people who relocated home, you know, like there, there Could is be. this, there is this enduring talking point that people move to Florida to escape lockdowns or whatever. And like anecdotally, I have met people like that Mm -hmm. or at the very least, like heard them speak at meetings where they're like, I moved here because of this. And it's like, Mm -hmm. yeah, okay. Okay. But I think more than anything, like the COVID age brought people back home. It Mm. can't just be me who moved home because I was broke and I couldn't find work, you know? And also it, what happened for a lot of people is with remote work, you don't necessarily have to live in Orlando anymore, you know? That's true. You don't have to live Your in the city. Your girlfriend's like an example of that, right? Yeah, she, uh, so when she got, she works for a little PR firm based out of Orlando. And when she got mm-hmm. her job there, I was already working at the Beacon. So we were, I was like itching to move out of my childhood bedroom that I had been living in for like approaching a year. I was like, I need to get out of here. I was mm-hmm. like, the minute you get a job, we are looking for a place. And so she had gotten the job in Orlando. So I was like, okay, Sanford is a good midpoint. Like- I'll commute 20 minutes to the land. You'll commute 30 minutes to Orlando. Beautiful. Like she gets less mad behind the wheel of a car in traffic than I do anyway. And uh, about two months into living in Sanford, her job sold their building, like sold, like (laughs) leased their building. And they were like, we're going fully remote forever. So, I mean, she had a nice cost of living bump because then they were like, we're going to start hiring people from all over the country. So that was nice. But now- we live there. She works from home 24-7. I commute to the land, which is very funny. It is funny. I yeah. never hit any traffic because I'm always going against it, you know? Like, that is, yeah, that's true. That's uh, nice. That's kind of nice, actually. Nobody's going away from Orlando at that At the time of day. Yeah, it's yeah. great. It's yeah, great. That's true. Yeah. I know people hate I-4 a lot, and, like, I sort of do, too, but sort of I've had the same look. I ha- Not as good as I did with the 101, but... I just happen to not be on the road when it, traffic's terrible. I got used to enough driving on I-10 when I was living mm-hmm. in North Florida. I used to be obsessed with I-10 because you really? can just get on I-10 and drive straight to California. Yeah, it's like part it's of crazy. part of my road trip. But like, I didn't take I-10 out there. But but like <laughs> I-10 from 75, the junction at 75 to almost all the way to Tallahassee mm-hmm. is like two lanes, or like mm. if not two lanes, four lanes, mm. and it's oh my god, I hate it. I, they're like yeah. okay. That's a stretch. I don't think the entire thing is two lanes, but there are parts of it that shift down to two lanes. Yeah. And I hate that so much. But as much as I hated the hairy parts of I-10, no one on I-4 can drive. It's insane. Yeah. It's insane. And I don't think I'm a good driver. You know, like I didn't start driving until I was 18. I don't think I'm a good driver, but like, oh my God, I hate driving an I-4. It's miserable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, you could you take the Sunrail to get down to where's the nearest sunrail station so the sunrail the nearest station is in deberry mm-hmm. and i live like less than 10 minutes from the sanford sunrail which is great but the deland sunrail is probably not going to be fully built until like 2025 they say 2024 i don't believe it i think it's okay. going to be 25 it's lagged so much. i didn't even know it was coming to deland i thought they'd cancel that like 10 no years ago. no the uh the sunrail is a really funny one because like it's it's happening despite the fact that most of the involved stakeholders wish it weren't. So like every <laughs> every meeting where the county talks about it, they're like, I guess we just got to suck it up. And it's like <laughs> That's funny because I feel like 10 years ago, all, all the you know stakeholders really wanted it and it wasn't yeah. happening. So now I think, that they don't want it, it is happening. I think like I was not reporting then, so I can't say this definitively, but I think a lot of that was just like John Micah's spirit. Like John Micah, the rep at the time, was just so excited about it. And was such a big proponent mm-hmm. for this commuter rail system that he <laughs> that he like willed all of these community partners to like want to be a part of it or at least grudgingly be a part of it. Is John Micah not around anymore? He's not around anymore. I, I don't think he's he's not dead, but like he's just yeah. not a rep anymore. He's not pushing Sunrail no more. No, he's not. So now all the people involved are just like we're stuck with this. Like mm. we have this commuter rail system. We can't get rid of this commuter rail system. 
and it's it's very funny to me because a lot of the conversation around it is like Sunrail doesn't make any money. And it's like, okay, one, it's a commuter rail system and it doesn't run on the weekends. The only time you would make money would be on the weekends when people can like go to Winter Park and spend money or whatever. Mm-hmm. And two, it's tr- it's public transit. It's not supposed to make money, you know? Yeah. Like public transit is like it's not a money-making venture. It's buses don't make money, you know? They don't? No, I, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm pretty certain they don't. Yeah. I haven't talked to any, like, bus companies lately. Yeah, but... well, I know, the, I know the free buses at airports definitely don't make money. Oh, yeah, definitely not. You talking, like, the like the ones you get on when you park, like, 90 was... miles away and then you have to, like... <laughs> the shuttles? No. I think those are operated by, like, whoever you're paying to park. Oh, that makes sense. But I was thinking, like, when I flew into LGA, there's, like... A free bus that takes you from one terminal to the other, and then that bus at the other terminal takes you to the subway station. Oh, okay. So you get on a bus, get off, get on a bus, and then you're at the um, subway. LGA, where's that? LaGuardia. Oh, oh, oh. It's LaGuardia. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. JF, it's, like, LGA is less obvious than JFK. It's there like, we go. Oh, which, which airport is that? Yeah, there we go. <laughs> I've still never, I've never been to New York outside of an airplane. You mm-hmm. know, like I had a layover there one time. And yeah, I, was I like, count I'm that. In New York. I used to tell people, used to be like, so have you been to New York? I'm like, yeah, I had a layover at JFK when mm-hmm. I was 10. And yeah. Like that doesn't count. I'm like, yes, it does. Yeah. I've been here. <laughs> <laughs> I've had, I've done the exact same thing to people and they're like, that doesn't count. And I'm like. I mean, yeah. I saw New York when I was deplaning and then yeah. replaning, so yeah. that's got to count for something. They've got bagels in the airport, and yeah, it's well, it's probably not as good. God, well, I'd, I'd kill for a bagel right now. You don't know, yeah. Um, God, you know, the bagels at like Starbucks and Dunkin' Donuts and stuff mm-hmm. are so bad. Are they? I mean, they're like fine. They're serviceable, you know. They yeah. get the job done. I have like low expectations for food at those places, so I'm like, that's fair. Yeah, it, I'm like, like, I'm not gagging. This is fine. Yeah, I don't know. Just like, I think the biscuits at McDonald's are actually pretty good for like their price. <gasps> yeah, the biscuits are good at McDonald's. They taste like salt and grease, and that's, sometimes that's all I want. That's kind of good, though. Yeah, yeah, exactly. American breakfast food does like 100% rip. Yeah, so. like good biscuits, like not good, just like properly done biscuits and gravy it's like mm. i almost made biscuits this weekend you ever made biscuits it's really fun i have but it's yeah. been a while oh, it's so much fun you get it like all doughy and you just kind of like they're kind of yeah. like cookies like it doesn't really matter what shape you plop them down you just kind of like toss them down it's really fun hey by the way how did you end up working at the beacon anyway oh yeah um <laughs> i guess that is ostensibly what you were gonna ask me about yeah um i hadn't i wasn't committed to it i was just thinking about it so <laughs> I'll go back a little bit. When I graduated from college, it was December 2019. Um, my girlfriend and I graduated from college. And the college. world was full of promise. There, the world was full of promise. My girlfriend and I graduated from college the same exact time. The idea yeah. was my lease up in Tallahassee in my apartment that I lived in was through the end of July 2020. So I graduated in twenty at the end of 2019. And then my girlfriend and I traveled for a couple of months. Mm-hmm. And the idea was that I would come back to Tallahassee. I would get a job, I would ride out the end of my lease and just have a good time and then go from there. So um my my while my girlfriend and I were traveling, I was applying for jobs, just like shooting job apps out to like every writing gig I could find in Tallahassee. Mm-hmm. And then there was a point like mid-January where like I quit getting rejections or being ignored and I started getting that position doesn't exist anymore. You oh, know what I mean? Oh yeah. So I got back to Tallahassee mid-March 2020. Good timing. Oh, it was incredible timing. Yeah, it was uh, It was actually, it was like March 7, 16 or 17. I remember because I got over and, um, God, please cut this. Please cut this next part. I got over and I met a friend that day and then like went over to his house and we like- Redacted. Together. And we were like- <laughs> Redacted. This, is, this should not stay in the pod. Um, we like- Redacted. And then, like, a week later, I was like, I can't believe I put my lips on the same, like, plastic surface as another... I hope it wasn't plastic. Jesus. But, like, the same surface as another person. It probably was plastic. It... I hope you were getting the COVID and the microplastics mm, micro all Microplastics, yeah. Microplastics, COVID all at once. You were so, like, good stuff. I started applying jobs now, and I could not get work to save my life. I, I applied to, like, Walmart and Target, and I was getting declined there because mm-hmm. everybody was looking for work. So I finally found the the main thing that kept me alive then was that my girlfriend's grandparents live in Tallahassee and they had a ridiculous amount of work around the house and yard work they needed. Mm. So they were paying me like a premium to do yard work for them, which is they were little old people. They they didn't feel like doing yard work all day. They were like, Noah will pay you to like resod our yard because we were gonna do that anyway. It was great. 
my girlfriend's grandparents kept me alive. <laughs> I then got a job at a liquor store in Tallahassee. This was one of the ABC fine mm-hmm. wine and spirits. I worked there for about a month. It was enough to get two paychecks. So it was like a month okay. just over. I also like not you know, the industry ahead. for you. Uh, I mean, I had a good enough time at the liquor store. Uh-huh. I, I'm not a huge drinker. I've never been a huge drinker. I recommended so much alcohol when I was working there that I had never tasted. It was so much fun. It was like a little game. People would be like, what's a good tequila? And I'd be like, this one's great. And I would purely go based off advice other people had given me. That's funny. It was so much yeah. fun. I had a blast. The only thing I could like sort of definitively recommend was beer. And even then, like it drops off after a while. So yeah, like, no doubt. I had so much fun with that. So at the, in the month I was working at ABC, about a week, like a couple of weeks before that, I also did some driving around for like one of the food delivery services. Uh-huh. I only made like 350 bucks doing that though. That like wasn't even enough to pay like a month's rent. Hmm. But um, I remember in the month I was working for ABC, I like moved stores because they were like, we have too many people at this store and not enough people at this one. Do you want to drive further down Thomasville Road every morning? And I was like, I guess. So <laughs> I did that. And then in the middle of, this was early June, I had applied to a gig at a little weekly newspaper in Crawfordville, Florida, Wakulla mm-hmm. County, 25 minutes south of Tallahassee uh, in March. I remember I interviewed with the paper on March 12th, like mm. before the immediate COVID panic in the US, and I got turned down. They went for somebody who was less green. I was like just out of college. I had no formal journalism experience. Mm. I didn't study journalism in college. I was just like, yippee, hire me. Yeah. I know where to put a comma for the most part. Right. Well, you were a foreign affairs major, isn't that right? International relations oh, okay. and political science. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I I didn't take the right classes. I probably should have taken public policy classes, but I mostly just took history classes. Yeah. It was mostly just an excuse to take history and political philosophy classes. Why, why didn't you be a, why weren't you a history major? Uh, I don't know. I think because I had this idea in my head that history majors can't get jobs outside of like being museum curators. And I think I saw more flexibility in having something like international relations. Well, Lloyd Blankfein was a history major. I don't know who that is. He was until about a year or two ago, the CEO of Goldman Sachs. Oh, well, I could have just gone for that. I know. Well, he did, you know, go to law school. Yeah, that's, yeah. (laughs) I, I had a come to Jesus moment. This was like my... This was like the end of my junior year. I was taking like the harder version of the political science research class that was required for my degree. And I remember my professor was like, so who started studying for the LSAT? And like everybody's hand went up in the room except like me and one other person. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what am I doing here? I was like, why am I not just an English major? Like I would get to read more books. What am I doing? Yeah. So I kind of pivoted my last couple semesters I had knocked out almost all my requirements and just took English classes and yeah. that was fun but um totally diverted so I had applied for this job at this little newspaper in Crawfordville even smaller than the beacon very very small Crawfordville gig. Georgia Crawfordville Florida oh uh, where is that Wakulla County about 25 minutes south of Tallahassee oh, okay it's like uh if if Tallahassee is Deland Crawfordville is like Lake Helen oh okay yeah you get the idea in terms of distance or population or both both okay or like well Population more so than distance. It's a little further. It's like okay, it's yeah. like Osteen, you know, like oh, like not a whole okay. lot going on yeah. out there, but like small town vibes, that kind of thing. Right. Small, like felt more southern than anywhere else in Florida I had ever lived. Yeah. And so I got a random call in June. The guy that they had hired over me had quit, and the editor was like, "You applied for this job three months ago. Are you still available?" And he called me one morning when I was like driving to the liquor store for work, and I was like. Yes. And so I went in and I put in a week's notice that day Uh, (laughs) and I took this temp and I was very clear with him. Like my lease is up at the end of July. I don't know what I'm doing. Like Mm -hmm. I'm probably going to leave. And so he hired me on a temporary basis and I was a temporary reporter there for like a month and a half. Yeah. And it was so much fun. I had such a good time. Like as the temporary reporter, I got to go to like the county council meetings for Wakulla County. Which you still do, just here. I, I do city commission here, oh, which right, is like a right. little smaller, but like Crawfordville is an unincorporated seat of the county. Mm-hmm. So like the Wakulla commission meetings are happening there, and that's like the thing. Like people mm-hmm. go to those. Barely had a clue of how any of this stuff worked. 
barely knew like the basics of reporting. Yeah. All I knew was like the upside down triangle of like you put the most important stuff at the top and then you put the less important stuff at the bottom. Gotcha. I was 100% just figuring things out. I remember my first day they were like, I came in, they were like, this is going to be your computer. There's a house in Crawfordville that is being, that has been invaded by honeybees. Do you want to go talk to the people there? And I was like, yeah, why not? So I just took a camera and went out and talked to these people. And the story I turned out, I was like pretty pleased with. Mm-hmm. And the editor just like ripped it to shreds, Oh, just which is good. I like being ripped to shreds. You know, like you learn more when you're edited like that. But he like, he like ripped it to shreds. He changed it. He changed so much stuff. And he looked at me and he was like, that was really good. And I was like, <laughs> huh? So it, it kind of showed me early that like you want to be edited. Yeah. You, you want that kind of feedback. Yeah. And so I did that gig for about a month and a half. And then why did you leave? It was just not tenable. Uh, I was like financially. Financially, yeah. I was only oh, making. Oh, because you were commuting. You were you were still living in Tallahassee, right? I was still living in Tallahassee. I was only making like ten, fifty, eleven bucks an hour. Oh, like okay. I was making more than minimum wage, but like just barely. Yeah, now and that's under minimum wage. That is under minimum wage now. And like, I I maybe could have survived on my rent in Tallahassee, but like, I had gone. I had traveled for three months with the expectation in my mind that there wasn't going to be a global pandemic that was going to screw all of us over financially. Uh-huh. So I had like nothing in savings. Right. So it, I ended up ditching the job. I had started to send out applications for like central Florida, the Deland area. And I was like, I'll move back home for a little bit, get on my feet, figure this out. So we, we had cleared out our college apartment. My girlfriend had come up to like help us clear it out. I remember I was like laying on the couch one night there was no other furniture. This was like the only piece of furniture. I think we had our TV like on the floor. Yeah. Like it was real like. Very much like um, male living space kind of meme. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, damn, you live like this. Like the TV on a cardboard box. The yeah. only piece of furniture is the couch. That then, kind of thing. Yeah. And someone's like, they hate how little it takes to make us happy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I remember I checked my phone and I had an email from Barb Shepard, the mm-hmm. publisher of The Beacon. And she was like, hey. Uh, you sent an email in about applying. I'm I'm interested in some clips. If you could send them my way, to this day I don't remember sending an email to the Beacon. Now <laughs> I'm not a religious man. I'm gonna assume what happened was this was in a period where yeah. I was sending out so many jobs. Like basically my routine for a while was like wake up in the morning, send out like ten job apps. Yeah. Go ride my bike for like two hours come back home and play Animal Crossing for like eight hours Mm -hmm. and then cook something elaborate and then go to sleep and do the next thing the next day. And some days in there, I would like go do yard work for six hours and that kind of thing. So I assume somewhere in there, I applied to the beacon. Yeah. And so. Well, what's the Lord's prayer? The barb is my shepherd. (laughs) (laughs) Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know the Lord's prayer. You're asking the wrong guy, but like, uh, yeah, yeah, I get the joke. Um, So I remember I moved back home and like my family was very much like, you got to get a job. Like we're, we're happy to see you. You got to get a job. And I was like, obviously I want to get it. I don't want to just be floundering here. And within a week of moving home, I had was like already kind of working for the beacon. It was very strong. I never in a million years expected. I was really dreading moving home. I was really, really dreading moving home because, Oh God, I was like, the Deland, the Deland that I left in 2016 is not the Deland that I moved back to, you know? And did you know that before you got here, sort of? No, no. Oh. Uh, things have changed a lot. It's grown. Oh, so you were dreading the old Deland. I was dreading, yeah, you I was dreading. You were dreading the Deland where yeah. people would compare, would remark on your passing resemblance to Jesus Christ more often. Constantly, yes, constantly. Yeah. Um, and People I'm, used to sing that song to you, right, in yeah, high school? Yeah, the, the Killers like, one, yeah. yeah. Which is funny because they say he doesn't look like, a thing like Jesus. Yeah. But, you know. It's the best they could do. It was the best they could do, yeah. Um. One time I got called Jesus Christ Superstar, and that really stuck with me. Oh, have you have you seen that musical? I haven't, no. I haven't either. No, I don't know much about it. I've so. seen one clip from it from, like, when the authorities catch Jesus and company. Mm-hmm. And, like, they just kind of sing in a Broadway voice, like, oh, no. <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> That's kind of the vibe I imagined it had, yeah. you know? But, yeah, I was I was really dreading moving back. I, I don't know if you experienced this when you were in high school, but I... I, the, the Deland at the tail end of high school for me was like kind of the best this town has been in my estimation. It, it was really starting to become more... It was becoming cool and yeah. it was easy to park. And now yeah. it's kind of cool, but it's hard to park. Yes. And I, soon it will become played out. And like, I'm and not... It's still hard to park. I'm not... Uh, 
I'm not knocking anybody who enjoyed the Deland experience before that, but as somebody who was like coming up in high school, who was more progressive in how they felt about the world, I felt like there wasn't really, there wasn't really like a place for me. Mm -hmm. And as I've gotten older and come back, I've discovered that like, I don't know if Deland grew too, or if I have just found people that make it mm -hmm. feel more welcome. Or perhaps you've become more conservative with age. There we go. That's true. That's what people are always <laughs> saying, isn't it? Yeah. But it, it, Now you appreciate this, your small southern town. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's like a Hallmark movie. Yeah. yeah. But I, I don't know. The, the town I moved back to is not the town I left. And it's... I was, I was kind of like... Pleasantly surprised. Pleasantly surprised. Yeah. Pleasantly surprised. I still hate that I have the potential to run into people I went to high school who I don't like in mm. or like didn't like really know in the grocery store like mm -hmm. that kind of scares me but like it's it's been very fun and it's mm. fun reporting on this area and interacting with it in so many like growing up as like lower middle class and white I was still middle class and we st I just had a song y'all don't know what it's like growing up something middle class and white i don't know i don't know maybe <laughs> anyway what were you I, saying <laughs> I, I felt like i had a lot of blind spots like uh, deland to... race relations oh, okay. uh, uh just uh, stuff like like deland is and was definitely when i was growing up very segregated and very economically stratified mm -hmm. and so moving back it's been an interesting to kind of grapple with some of those blind spots i had mm -hmm. plus it is kind of fun to like leverage that when i'm talking to people like yeah. when i'm interviewing people like one example is i i talked to uh i interviewed the women who started the me strong race back. oh really yeah and it was a really it was a really great interview but one of the ways like like what we were doing like when you're starting to interview somebody you kind of start by small talking a little bit you don't jump mm -hmm. right in because you don't want them to kind of panic or anything unless it's like maybe broadcast television you're like so even then they've probably pre-interviewed that person yeah, they probably true. have a yeah. feel for them like sometimes when you cold call people it's just like hey what you doing can i ask you a few questions yeah and you kind of want to you kind of want to avoid that you want mm -hmm. people to warm up to you so i was doing a profile on the the women who started the me strong race and so i was talking to one of them and before the interview started i was telling her about how when i was in high school I was like a junior or senior in high school in the marching band and I volunteered one day to like go stand on the corner with some of the other people and like play music with the band mm -hmm. as the Me Strong Racers were going by. She opened up immediately because mm -hmm. it's like people, once they realize they have that local connection with you yeah. and you're not just some stooge who moved here, like, yeah. because you know, they're like people in this area are very resistant to people who've just moved to the land, That's true. which is so funny because it's like. Sometimes you go to these like city commission meetings and they'll be talking about like building new homes and people will be like, I've lived in Deland for 70 years. Stop building homes. We don't want any more people. And <laughs> someone else will come up and they'll be like, yeah, I've lived here for six years. I don't want any more homes either. And it's like, now hold on a minute. Yeah. Hold on a minute. Yeah. <laughs> they'll be like, I moved here from Minnesota six years ago because I love Florida. Stop building homes. And it's like, yeah. all right, now hold on a minute. But like when people realize that you have that that shared connection with this area, mm -hmm. like they open up instantly. And it's, yeah. And it's fun, not just to like leverage that to be like, I'm going to get a better interview this way, but also <laughs> just like to connect with people and be yeah. like, Oh, you know, so-and-so I went to school with so-and-so's kid, that kind of thing. Yeah. And it's, it's really, it is sort of like Hallmark movie esque in like a really corny way, you know, yeah. where it's like everybody knows each other. You move back to your hometown and learn the meaning of me strong. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still working on the meaning of Are Christmas. Are you going to run a me strong this year, by the way? Probably not. Yeah. Probably. I've Have thought about it. I've been thinking about it. Are you like, are you trying to get there? Like trying I mean, to run? I've got my, the last time, time I ran like two days ago, my 5k time was 2545, which I okay. think is not bad for a I'm, beginner. See, I'm not in shape. And when I work out, I like, bike. I'm trying to get Nathan Carey to come up here and run with me. Cause okay. I think that'd be fun. Yeah. If we were like, if we did it together, that'd be funny. <laughs> that'd be a good bit. Bit Nathan, double Nathan's. Racing. Yeah. We have the yeah. same middle name too. So what's your middle name? Thomas. Interesting. Nathan Thomas Bond. NTB. Yeah, they're good initials. And T is a great middle initial because it's symmetrical, so yeah. it kind of divides your name well. Yeah, you got me beat. I have NJH, which never quite felt right. That sounds like a stock ticker. Yeah, it does. I don't know what company before, but it does sound like a yeah, stock ticker. A small pharmaceutical company. It's funny to me too because it's like my middle name is Jacob, and it's it's because my parents wanted to give me like a biblical name, 
And my mom was like, they did it. They did it. Yeah. My mom was like, how about Jacob? My dad was like, but then people will call him Jake and I hate that. So she Why was like, why does your dad hate Jake? I don't know. You just to didn't like day. Adventure Time? To this day, I don't know. Maybe he really hated uh, Jake Lloyd, the guy who played Baby Anakin in The Phantom Menace. Is your dad like one of those Gen X um, jaded Star Wars fans? Yes, he is. Oh, he is okay. actually. Yeah, he's a Star Wars nut. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> do you still keep up with Star Wars much? Yeah, I do. I, I don't. Like the, the, the new trilogy, that's the one thing it did is it made me just like uninterested. I was like, that was bad. The only thing the uh Except the last one. The last one was so was like horseshoe movie. It was yeah. so bad it was good. Like I generally enjoyed watching it, but it's cause it went it was so terrible in my eyes that it went all the way around and became campy and I had fun. I like audibly laughed multiple times yeah. in the movie theater with that one. Yeah. Star but, Wars nowadays is kind of like my guilty pleasure, you know? It's yeah. it's kinda like uh it's like eating something that's bad for you. Mm-hmm. Where it's like I know I'm just like supporting one of the biggest media conglomerates on the planet by like paying yeah. for a Disney Plus subscription to That's watch funny. the new Star Wars shows. Oh, but, you do that? That's funny. Yeah. Well, part of it is uh, my dad used to pay for it, and then I was like, I have more money. You already I, hooked. I, yeah, yeah, I'm hooked. I'll pay for it. Don't worry yeah. about it. So uh, it's kind of it's kind of I would just pirate the stuff if I wasn't paying for it. But mm, maybe you shouldn't admit that on air. Yeah, it's true. Maybe I shouldn't. Yeah. Yeah, they put the. <laughs> <laughs> I keep admitting the crimes. <laughs> This is gonna something you're gonna be in court, and they're gonna be like, "We had this uh, podcast you appeared on. <laughs> <laughs> where you said that you uh, pirated television shows." Yeah, you're like ah, you're right. <laughs> Damn it! When I uh, when when the last Star Wars movie came out, uh, what was it? Episode nine. I found a bootleg of it online, and I, I stop. Yeah, I I remember I like I saw it in theaters, and I brought I bootlegged it, and then I went to my dad's house, and I was like, "Watch this movie with me," and he was like, "Is it good?" And I was like, "No, it sucks." <laughs> and I made him watch it with yeah. me. And then I did the same to my sister. She was visiting and I was oh, like yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, watch this movie. And she was like, why? And I was like, it sucks. Like, yeah. I will say, like, um, I think number seven was like just was kind of mid. Eight was just bad. It was painful to watch. And then nine was so bad that I enjoyed watching it. I liked eight. I liked really? eight. Yeah, that's like I don't really understand why that's a hot take. I uh, really enjoyed eight. I, I I won't pollute this podcast with more with Star Wars episode eight discourse. The only thing I'll say, the only thing I'll say before we move on, I Eight was eight was completely out of step with what the rest of the trilogy was trying to do, considering the rest of the trilogy wasn't trying to do anything. And yeah. eight was like trying to have themes. And I respect Ryan Johnson for doing that. I could respect it if like he was allowed to, you know, integrate those themes with the entire trilogy. Yes. But it's just like the, the, the I don't know, there was like whip there was like thematic whiplash going between those movies. Oh yeah, and absolutely. Absolutely. Because seven is just like my spine. remember these things. And you're like, yeah, I do remember those things. And then eight starts up mm-hmm. and it's like, remember those things you love? They're not the same. And you're like, oh. And then nine happens and it's like I felt like episode mm-hmm. was remember those things you love? They're not the same and they're cringy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> remember that remember that guy you really liked in the first three movies? He's a jaded boomer now. How does that make you feel? <laughs> Yeah, the only part of that movie I liked was when like Yoda's like page turners. They were not. I'm mean, that's. I'm like that's so cringy. I can respect it. Yeah, the <laughs> the idea of like this wizened old sage burning the Bible and being like it wasn't that good anyway is uh, like very funny to me. Yeah, I think the Book of Revelations is good. Like I've like I've only read that part of the Bible. I'm like this is pretty good. Probably. I've seen some excerpts from it. It's kind of kind of wild. Like, I'm kind of scared now. Yeah, it's kind of freaky. <laughs> like the brimstone and like yeah. the rapture and all that stuff. Yeah, I always used to get like. I was used to think the rapture thing was really funny because I remember one time when I was a kid. Because you like that Blondie song? Uh, that's a good Blondie song, but... <laughs> Where she rap... Oh, I didn't realize she raps in rapture. Yeah, she kind of raps in rapture. That's why it's yeah, called rapture. That's probably why it's called rapture, yeah. I remember one, Remember like when we were kids... Good pun, Blondie. Good pun, Blondie. Remember when we were kids, every now and then, it would be like, the rapture is going to happen on this day. It was kind of like the end of the world thing. Like, mm-hmm. the world's going to end December 12th, 2012. And it was like, no, it's not. But like, you know. Maybe it did and we're all in hell. Maybe it sure seems like it sometimes, doesn't it? <laughs> I remember one of the times that the rapture was supposed to happen. I was like at a church for a band concert. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking it was like really funny that I was in a church for when the rapture was supposed to happen. I was like, maybe you were ready. I was ready. I was like, I, I was like, I'm not yeah. religious. I don't believe in God, but maybe they'll like, maybe they'll like kind of wiggle it out a little bit since I'm in a church, you know, they'll be like, <laughs> since he's in a church, he must believe in God. So like, to what extent um, are you Jewish? Like, I know you're like part, Jewish. So but were you raised Jewish at all? I wasn't raised anything. Uh my by the time I was born, my dad so functionally a secular Jew. Functionally, yeah. My a, a secular Jew in that like I celebrate I like to do some of the like, you like latkes or something. I really like latkes. 
I find that the way I primarily connect dill pickles, maybe dill pickles are great. The main way that I connect with my Jewish heritage is like cooking things that are typically cooked on holidays. Oh, Cause I, I find, I find that's a fun way to connect with it in a way that's like not religious, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's, there is like this little twinge I get in the back of my head. That's like, I'm making, I'm making a, a challah for Rosh Hashanah and mm-hmm. my great, 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 great grandmother was probably doing the same, you know? That's the one that's spelled challah, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But um, to answer your question, by the time I was born, my dad was a lapsed Jew and my mom was a lapsed Catholic. Yeah. And so they were like, should we draw straws or like what? Neither of them were had any particular feelings about their religion they were mm-hmm. raised. My dad, my dad's dad died like a month before he was supposed to be bar mitzvahed. So oh. he was never bar mitzvahed. So like even my dad's like probably not the best Jew. And like Judaism goes matrilineally. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm like a silver Jew. Oh, like it goes by the mother. By the mother, yeah. If you ask any rabbi, they would probably tell you that I'm not a Jew because like okay. it, it goes the, the other way. But so like I remember neither of my parents decided they well, wanted to. Well, means you have... can hang out with Kanye if you ever saw him. You could be like, hey, listen. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean it, if we're going by Nazi rules, I would still be considered a Jew because I have two Jewish grandparents. Oh, okay. So like, was that how they figured it? Yeah, they. The, yeah, they I believe did, like some arithmetic. I believe you were you were called. There was a word for it. It was Michelin, like right? it was Michelin. Yeah, you were oh. considered a Michelin if you had two Jewish grandparents. And mm. then at that point, it was like, well, how much do you lean into the culture? How many Jewish friends do you have? Yeah. You know, like I remember there was like actually a Luftwaffe general who was like a Michelin but then they were like you know whatever yeah i don't know, I don't know. <laughs> but i remember i have i have this very distinct memory of uh my parents just tried to kind of avoid the religion talk altogether because it made both of them very uncomfortable in oh, different ways uh-huh. so i remember one summer just after my parents had gotten divorced they sent me to like the ymca summer camp because they were like the we're both working we need to send this kid somewhere and in there's the, no ymja right why young men's Jewish. No, I don't think so. That's why I know. That there's just like camps. Like the big thing is like yeah. like Jewish camp, that kind of thing. Um so I remember the YMCA in Deland when I was a kid. Who knew that would become like Trump's campaign anthem? With the YMCA? The YMCA song. Was it kind of his campaign anthem? I mean, they, that's like the song they would play like right after he came out and he would do a little oh, dance, yeah. remember? The village people were like pretty gay, weren't they? He no, there's an inter- there's an interview where he goes on a podcast. Who, Trump? Trump. Oh. Like from like, this is like from six months ago. This one goes to Mar-a-Lago interview, some random guy. Love that. And Trump's like, yeah, that's the gay national anthem. Wow. But it gets the people going. And what? like, <laughs> you, you turn it on at a rally and like, it just, it's a good energy and everyone's having a good time. Wow. I'm like, you're not wrong. Yeah. He's. <laughs> all the, all, I mean, all the best music was made by like queer people. That's just kind of generally how it shakes out. Yeah. But the point I was making. The YMCA in Deland when I was a kid, I remember it very vividly. There was like, there was like in the gymnasium, there was like along the ceiling, it said like, believe in God or something like that. And I remember I went home and over dinner, I said to my mom, what's God? How old were you? I was like six. Okay. I was like. So you just didn't know the word at that point. I didn't. I was old enough that this was weird, you know? That is funny. Yeah. I just didn't have a clue. And so because mm-hmm. of that, I've always had like this kind of objective fascination with organized religion because mm-hmm. I just, just never raised in it. And when I was in college, a few of my friends were Jewish and really thought that it was kind of like funny in like an Encino man way that like <laughs> I was like technically Jewish, but didn't really know shit about the holidays. Uh-huh. So it would be like. Hey, hey, weird caveman, we're having a we're having a Rosh Hashanah party. Come on over. And I was like, yeah, what the hell? So I, I like learned a lot about it in college. It was very fun. And now I've been to two Catholic masses. So Okay. So yeah. you're getting in touch with the what was uh on your mom's side, what was the what was the religious? It was Catholic. It was Catholicism. Oh, it was Catholicism. Yeah, yeah, my mom's a lapsed Catholic. Okay. So yeah. Just like your girlfriend. Just like my girlfriend, yeah. 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 Probably shouldn't say that on here though, because I I don't think I don't know if Christine's parents know she's At like this lapsed, point, you know. I don't, I don't think Christine's parents are gonna make it to the hour <laughs> and nine minute nine second mark. That's true. Of the uh of the pod. The, but the, if they do, then they've they will have earned that information. The two times that I've been to Catholic masses were with Christine's family because they're mm-hmm. like, Oh, this is important. And I it's very funny because every time they do the Eucharist, I panic. I mean I say this, I've been there twice. Uh-huh. But like when they do the Eucharist, I panic. I'm like, am I supposed to get up? Am I supposed to no, keep sitting? You're not. I remember the first one I went to, Christine's dad kind of sent me this knowing glance, knowing I'd be freaking out, and he kind of shook his head like, You can stay sitting. It's okay. I think you're supposed to stay stay sitting. Like it's like, like actually so. against the rules to like take the Eucharist if you're not confirmed. See, or but then somebody told me you were supposed to get up but like cross your hands over your body to be like, Don't feed that to me, which like 
I, I guess it's like a guess. non a less I guess it's a less awkward way of saying you can't I can't take but it. But I get but I have learned you are definitely not supposed to take the Eucharist if you were not confirmed Catholic. Yeah. So yeah. the more you know. Which is I guess kind of awkward for like visiting people who have their own version of the Eucharist. Like, you know, maybe if you're like at a funeral but you're Episcopal and like you normally would take the Eucharist, but now you can't for your Catholic relatives. Do Episcopals take the Eucharist too? A lot of people do, yeah. Because really? Episcopals are just like Catholics, but like without it's like more casual. Interesting. Interesting. Because you got to remember, it comes from Anglicanism, and Anglicanism was just like Catholicism, but divorce is okay. <laughs> yeah, it was King Henry was just like ah, the Pope's annoying me, won't give me this other divorce, and I don't want to chop another wife's head off. Yeah. So like, we'll just change a few things. He was like, I believe in most of this stuff. I just really want to get divorced again. Yeah. Well, somehow they um also ended up like I think you know priests and vicars can marry in Anglicanism and Episcopalianism. Mm. So like they loosen. It's just kind of like a loosened up Catholicism, but a lot of like the liturgy is the same. That's interesting. That's and that's really why like you know the, the National Cathedral in Washington is an Episcopal cathedral. It's like huh. it's like Catholic light, I guess. That's well, like I recently learned. This is probably not interesting radio at all. But like the further you get from Catholic, the more they hate Catholics. Like somebody told me recently mm -hmm. that like evangelicals really hate Catholics. Yeah, and I was like, true. why? You guys are like functionally on the same team. But I don't know. Uh, I think they don't like the um, like the organized the hierarchy of it, like yeah. the system. I was told that it's like it's like a like an idol worship thing. They're like, oh, you worship like yeah. you worship like Mary and all these other people. I'm like, I don't know if like being in proximity to Jesus makes you like kind of yeah. I like, can't comment on any of that. I just um, like I said, this is bad like radio. A, a but... big problem with like the Pope, I think, is oh. or historically even their thing. They're like, ah. Oh. Man, the Pope. That seems like the the Pope seems like the exact kind of guy that if you were prone to conspiracy theories, you would have like a thousand conspiracy theories about. You know? Yeah. Big white robes, lives in Europe. Yeah. Smoke well, when he dies. You know? Yeah. Like, and when he's picked. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I feel like if I was more prone to conspiracy theories, I would have like a thousand about the Pope. Yeah. What's your favorite conspiracy theory? Um, my <laughs> favorite or the like one i like subscribe to or the one i think is like the most fun i'm gonna go for the one you subscribe to because i wholeheartedly believe that everybody gets like one gimme like you're allowed to subscribe to one i think there was more than one gunman in dallas that day oh that's good in 63 that's good yeah um up on that grassy was uh, it the grassy knoll, yeah, the grassy right? knoll. i'm yeah. pretty convinced i don't know anything <laughs> beyond that i'm just like i'm reasonably convinced where if i was forced to bet money i would bet that there was a shooter on the grassy knoll my gimme for the longest time was that the queen had been dead for a significant that period. was the fun one i like to yeah. believe that they didn't want her to have a 69 year old reign and so oh, they were waking up that was like the fun conspiracy i believe my yeah. thing was that she actually died of covid very early in the pandemic and they were just propping her up this entire time but now that she's actually dead that's not funny you know it's like yeah, not as fun anymore no. so I, I need a new pick me i need a new like yeah. go-to conspiracy. charles theory. like really lucked out with like um the prime ministers because like they're all so unpopular there's no way they can, anyone's gonna get rid of the monarchy like anytime soon because for yeah. whatever whatever their problems the monarchy might have it is the best functioning public institution in that country right now oh absolutely yeah the, which is crazy but it's true it's, it's insane just objectively to me. true it's insane to me that the rest of england is so focused on being transphobic in new ways that nobody's yeah. even paying attention to what the monarchy is doing yeah i mean it's not even just that it's just like everything else in that country is like oh, sort yeah. of a yeah, mess yeah, yeah. right now and then charles just like doing his limited number of duties with he's just doing it he's just doing fine yeah he's like you know he's going to the funerals he's wearing the outfits that's best case scenario you know like you I love show it when up people on twitter are like will like post a picture of him robe like it's so ridiculous why would you wear this and all the comments like that's like the one cool thing about yeah. a monarch is they have this drip yeah that you get to dress like an and anime like, villain like it's like i would totally wear the drip <laughs> that's the only relatable thing he does yeah is he like he indulges in the drip if you're gonna if you're gonna be a part of like a centuries old order like old, that pretty much you, well, yeah is yeah you may as well just like take part in the traditions like that you yeah know? and I'll, like and that's the part people like people like the outfits people it, they're people weird and old stuff. and cool exactly and, like when I see like the king of Belgium in a suit, I'm like, this is lame. Yeah. But when I see like the king of England in some crazy old outfit, I'm like, yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I respect it. Exactly. <laughs> I respect that more. I respect uh, respecting the outfits more than I respect people who are just like really into like, ooh, William and Kate's relationship. Yeah. You know? I don't like the drama. I'm just like, oh, cool. They get to wear this costume and it sort of makes sense. It's not like just some guy buying a costume. It's like, yeah. you know, his whatever great grandfather's actual thing. Yeah. His weird robe. <laughs> <laughs> did you have anything else you wanted to ask me? Or? Uh, I probably did, but I've really gone on. I went on my royal tangent and mm, now that's just. Love a good royal tangent. Yeah. 
you're probably going to be a repeating guest given the fact that your desk is like 30 feet from here. Yeah. So we'll just save the rest for next time. We're at about an hour and five now. So, wow, we're at an hour and five. So no, mm. thank you so much for coming on the yeah. uh, the Nathan Bondcast. Do we have any? Do we have any closing thoughts? Do we have anything we need to add here? Or Not really. No. Uh, it usually, they usually kind of meander to a close. Oh, okay. Yeah, I love a good meandering close. I love a I love a use the big cane to pull you off stage when you're going too. Yeah, long. yeah. Uh, the shepherd's cane. Or shepherd's. Yeah. It's a crook, right? Because like Is that's it? that's like what the pharaoh holds. It's like a, a crook and flail. Oh, so like that's Not a like cane, really. This whole time a crook is like a really is just a type of cane i guess oh huh. i think i might be wrong i don't know i'm not a shepherd i don't know any better so i'm forced to assume you're true because i think i just thought i remember like um you know and the pharaoh's always holding that crook and flail yeah yeah and like that's supposed to represent like the agricultural part and the flail mm. is like the martial aspect of that's his cool. authority that's cool really good at farming really good at bashing people on the head Oh, and I was like, this is like, represents his connection to farming. This is like, it represents his having to punish people who farm. To- I like it. I like it more that it's like, you're the Pharaoh. So you're the bet. You're the best at farming. You're the best at farming and at hitting people really hard on the head. Yeah. Well, I think you don't hit people on the head with a flail. I think this was like for, oh, it's not a flail. It's like, it's like the kind of thing you whip someone in the back with. Oh, it's like corporal punishment. One of those stuff. guys. Yeah. Whatever. The I don't know they what call they're those. called. I think it's a flail. I think it's a crook and flail. I don't know. We'll leave that to our listeners to investigate. I'm going to Google it the minute we get off this. All right. On that note.